Welcome to the Spiritual Phoenix Podcast. I'm your host, Ross Cessna, and I bring you, the Phoenix Family, a weekly podcast about alchemy, spirituality, magic, mysticism, and more. The Spiritual Phoenix Podcast is fan-funded, and you can contribute with the link in the show notes. Other ways to show your support include subscribing to our YouTube channel, leaving us excellent reviews wherever possible, engaging with our content on social media, shooting me an email, and sending an audio message through the Anchor app. This is a community podcast. I'm just the humble host. Let's start the show. All right. Welcome, everybody. We are joined by Raquel Reyes. Raquel, how are you doing today? Hello, I am doing well, thank you. Coming off all that energy from the new moon in Aquarius that we just had on Monday. Very, very cool. Yeah, I I try to keep up with some of that stuff. And it's interesting because somebody else brought this new moon energy up and now you're mentioning it. And I've been kind of um, riding this energetic buzz. A lot of this kind of astrological stuff, I find out after the fact, I'm like, oh, that's what that is. It's always interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I guess real quick, since you touched on that, what is some of this new moon energy that is coming up? Yeah, so a new moon is essentially the marker of a brand new lunar cycle. And the new moon is awesome. It's like deliciously sweet because it is a time that we get to call things into our lives energetically. Um, it's a time that you want to bring things in, whereas the full moon is a time to kind of cleanse and purge and celebrate what, what you've experienced. So I like a new moon because it's great for intention setting and just getting super grounded in like, what do I need for the next 30 days? How can I make it happen? And, you know, every new moon carries energy from a different astrological sign. So this new moon in Aquarius is all about your your hidden genius, inner rebellion, a rebel with a cause. It's about technology and it has a heavy emphasis on like community and friendship and connection with others. Oh, wow. The uh, connection with others piece is is interesting. Um, One of the things that my sponsor, uh, we were talking about me being in a a fellowship or both of us being um, kind of involved in those circles earlier. Uh, one of the things my sponsor is talking to me right about right now is really getting more involved with other people because um, I'm isolationist by nature. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, this is a great lunation for you to tap into that because Aquarius rules um, friendship and it, it rules the 11th house. And so anything having to do with the 11th house is highlighted and favored during the new moon. And it is Aquarius season as well. And Mercury's in Aquarius. And in your natal chart that I have pulled up, your natal Mercury is also in Aquarius. So this, this is the time for you to be um, communicating and tapping into all those 11, 11th house matters. And your Venus, your planet of love, beauty, and money is also in Aquarius. So you've got a lot of Aquarius energy that you could be banking on right now. Uh, hopefully I can make the most of it. Um, <laughs> no pressure, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, for you, um, these planets are transiting your fourth and your fifth house. The fourth house is the house of home and family. So you might actually be going a little deeper than like surface level. You might actually be going into some ancestral healing. You might be going, you know, um, talking with family members or like healing past traumas. And then the moon transits your fifth house, which is the house of creativity and actually even romance and fun and being a kid at heart. Those are all things that are um, 
very kind of surfacing in my life. Uh, touching back on recovery, I, I just finished my um, second fifth step and I'm kind of working on my, my uh, sixth step now and kind of going through a lot of these different character defects and um, just understanding them and breaking them down like the way that my sponsor is having me do it is causing me to really look at family relationships on a deeper level and also kind of making peace with all of this stuff. And then I'm, I'm curious if you've experienced this as well. One of the things about recovery is it really is ancestral healing um, and clearing up your the lit, like the energy of your lineage and, and making space for good things to come in. What's your take on that? Oh my gosh. Uh, so thank you for sharing also that you're doing that deep work. Um, you know, everyone works a different program and I'm always interested and so motivated and inspired when someone can just boldly be like, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm doing in my program. I just, I love that comfort. Um, but for me personally, um, I actually, I used astrology, um, to map out a lot of my, a lot of learning about my family. So, um, really Mm. quick back in August, I had turned 30 and I was working with a mentor, my astrologist and you know, he was looking at my chart and he's like, you know, something's, something's going on with Saturn. Cause I was finishing up my Saturn return. He's like, something's going on with your dad. You need to be like aware and alert. And I'm thinking my dad's like this great guy, him and my mom weren't together, but I have no daddy issues. Like that's a totally normal area of my life, you know? And as far as like being an alcoholic and stuff like that, you know, my mom's not, my dad's not. I just thought I was like a kid who took it too far for like 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> like really far. (laughs) And, um, and I never thought anything of it. And, uh, the day that my mentor had told me to keep an eye out on my astrology is the day that my mom told me my biological father is not the guy I think it is that it's a guy who she used to date. Who's a user and an alcoholic. That's Mm -hmm. my biological father. So I had like, I had like a Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader moment. And it was in my fucking chart. It was in my astrology and it was, it blew my mind. And obviously I'd already been a practicing astrologer at the time, but that really cemented in for me like, whoa. And so then I looked at my chart and my fourth house is governed by the sign of Taurus and this guy's a Taurus. So his sign governs my fourth house of home and family. So I really took that as an invitation to start digging super deep into the part of my chart that does talk about past lives and ancestors and parents because you know obviously alcohol addiction and stuff like that it can you know like there's it's genetic um and i feel that there's ancestral lines of many things poverty consciousness um mm. toxicity abuse substance abuse i definitely think it lives in the line yeah that's that's definitely um kind of been my experience i have a question for you on this as well now of course. Um, I guess there's a lot of different ways I can take this. Let me think of which one I, I find to be most intriguing. I guess you kind of already answered one of them. So did you find that exploring astrology became kind of more real when you got into recovery and your gifts kind of um, expanded as a result of that, like your awareness of all of those things? Um, hell yes. Um, because so I used to be when I was like about six or seven, I actually used to have prophetic dreams and psychic dreams. I kind of freak my mom out. And Hmm. I've always kind of had like these little, I guess you could call them gifts. And I got my first tarot deck when I was 10. 
I was dreaming of dead people. It was, you know, a lot for a child. And when I started drinking and partying for me was at 14. I think I drank, got drunk for the first time at 13, 14, it became a lifestyle. And I would always have, you know, my interest in astrology. I'd always have my books and my tarot cards, but I was never like tapped in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was numb for 15 years. And when I got sober, my psychic dreams started coming back. Um, My, just my intuition, it got super deep. And, you know, they say connect with your higher power. And once I tapped into that, I would say, higher power, send me a white butterfly every single day. And I shit you not every single day, a white butterfly will fly past me. And it's just all these tiny little things that I was not able to, um, I was not able to feel such a visceral reaction to my spirituality before getting sober. So I definitely attribute sobriety to where I'm at right now. And also astrology is study. So it's tons of math, tons of study, and like 10% intuition. And I just have to say that there's no way as a partier that I was like sitting down with a book for two hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, there's just no way. So the, the wealth of information that I've been able to just learn in the past 14 months is like, that's more than I learned in all of high school. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. no joke. I didn't, I was not scholastic and I'm surprising myself with like, damn, I actually love reading. I love studying. I love looking at like NASA's tracking of the planets for fun on a Friday night. (laughs) Yeah, you definitely have to find new ways to kind of invest your energy. Um, I got goosebumps when you were really diving into that in a sense, because for me, I've always, um, in hindsight, looking back, I've always kind of had different gifts. Like I I haven't studied astrology um, at all, really, but I've always had different gifts. And then as I kind of entered my active addiction, I really shut down a lot of that stuff. And I think that part of it was a fear response to some of those things because my family, uh, again, we were talking about kind of genetic lineage, my family's predisposition for psychic gifts. Um, and they always kind of made it seem like a bad thing where they would want to shut it off because they didn't know how to process it. And then kind of as a direct result of my own physiology saying, you really have to deal with this stuff and kind of utilize your gifts or you're going to have a really bad life experience. Um, That was a catalyst to kind of get me into studying everything. And it's funny because I've seen this meme where it's uh, what people think tapping into spirituality or esoteric (laughs) stuff is. And it's like somebody like burning somebody at a fire and then it shows like what it really is. And it's somebody sitting there with books and reading like endlessly. That's yeah. definitely been my experience. Um, you had mentioned tarot. Is that something you still work with today? Oh, yeah. So um, tarot is, I, I like to say that she's my best friend, my biggest confidant, and she never lies to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I bring tarot in with, I work with, um, I work with clients one-on-one. So I, I'm an astrologist, but I also bring in like mentorship and a little bit of coaching because that's really how the practice is meant to be explored is kind of like longer term or ongoing because everything's shifting all the time. And so I like to bring tarot into every session with clients because we just have questions. And if there's a tool that can provide some answers for us, it's like, 
why wouldn't you want that information? Yeah, certainly. Um, the way that you kind of phrased all that brings up another question for me. Is your view of astrology and all of this kind of stuff not fatalistic, but more of this is presenting you with um, circumstances that you get options to deal with? So it's not predefined. It's kind of issues to overcome. Yeah. So the thing is, is um, when I look at someone's chart or open someone's chart, it's like, I'm not here to, to tell you your life because I'm not God. I'm just Raquel. You know, mm -hmm. what, what I'm doing is I'm looking at your cosmic blueprint, which is essentially like a fingerprint. It's, it's a, a snapshot of where all the planets and asteroids and stars were and mathematical points at the exact time of your birth. And that map then contains information that talks about the foundational building blocks that makes you you and so everything is in the chart um that from positive to negative because we are positive and negative we're all yin and yang you know there's no one's all love and light and if you say that you are you're full of shit yes you know? <laughs> we've we've all got shadows we've all it's all in the chart and so i use astrology as an impetus for change as an impetus for self-discovery and every time that you see an area of struggle or opposition in the chart that's not actually an area of struggle or opposition. What that is, is an opportunity for your growth. Mm. Wow. That's very beautifully said. And um, you, you articulated that point way, way more beautifully and eloquently than I could. And I'm grateful that you did because I, I dislike it when people view um, any kind of tool of divination or like uh, a deeper look at yourself as deterministic where that's the way it's going to be i like it when it's kind of an opportunity um for example when i read tarot i try to make it a point to tell people this is the most likely outcome as things stand now but due to free will and all these other variables all of this is subject to change and revision like oh yes and you know in astrology can only take you so far but you what activates the stuff in your chart is you you have to be the activator mm. yeah and, that's um, a really good point yeah. as well you're the catalyst for all of it. Yeah, it's your fucking chart. Hello. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and I, I can be, be kind of tough on people because um, one thing that, you know, when I quit drinking, one thing that I had to learn after 29 years was radical responsibility. Oh, yeah. I, didn't know, I didn't know what that was. I was, I was the perfect angel and everyone else was the problem. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so in having to teach myself that, I really, really, and it's not a projection, but I like to offer the invitation for others to join me and do the same. And astrology is a very great way to get clear on how to take radical responsibility for your life and your journey. Yeah, I, I can definitely um, respect that on a deep level because that's how I approach tarot. And oftentimes people may not want to hear the truth of it, but in my perspective, I'm doing everybody a disservice if I'm being deceitful or sugarcoating shit. Not what I have, not what I'm here to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you do tarot, do you do um, reversed cards? Do you give people the good good? I, I do reverse cards. Um, I do a lot of intuitive stuff. In certain times for certain people, I might, I might fudge the reverse card a little bit. Um, <laughs> because I definitely feel, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this in an accurate way. I try to read the situation, I, I guess, and give people what they're able to digest, but still be as real as I can with it. Um, 
a lot of the readings that I get are more about like relationships or whatever. And I'm not going to tell right. somebody to stay in a shitty relationship if it's a shitty relationship, which they usually are. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, it's like, honestly, it's like, uh, if you have to ask, you know, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But yeah, I mean, I do reversals, um, more often than not, I would say. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very interesting. And it's kind of the same with astrology where, um, so one of the things that I love, I'm a nerd, actually, I figured out in sobriety, I'm a fucking tech nerd. I'm, <laughs> I love studying. I'm like, I, I taught myself coding, like all this stuff I never, <laughs> never thought. But anyway, um, I get really into my study. And one of the branch off areas of study that I that I tend to actually specialize in with people um, is evolutionary astrology. And that talks about the um, progression and evolution of the human soul on the human's journey. And so sometimes when I'm getting into evolutionary and I'm looking at someone's chart, you can kind of see some past life stuff that it might not be easy to tell somebody, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and even in my own chart, like, you know, diving deeper into my chart, I've figured out that I could have had a past life where I accidentally killed someone as like a doctor, you know, like malpractice. And I'm like, what the hell? Oh, wow. <laughs> and yeah. And so I've, you know, I've, I'm trying to clear my karmic debt because um, it's a very, when you look at your chart, you can see areas where you are maybe uh, dealing with karmic issues. And so in an attempt to clear my karmic debt, it's a lot like the, you know, the ninth step. <laughs> um, but you're doing it like in the 5D and you're doing it in a spiritual way. And it's funny because it's so paralleled. So I'd be clearing my karmic debt and I'm like, I didn't do it, but, but I did it. But like, I didn't do it, but my soul did it, but I did it. And then it's, it, it's kind of like the ninth step when you're like, yeah, I like got wasted and sold your car. Like I wasn't there, but I was there, but I did it, but I did not And it's like that same kind of, <laughs> it's like that same kind of shimmy that you have to do. And again, radical responsibility. It's like, you got to take responsibility for what your soul did, even in the past lifetimes. Oh, wow. That's a heavy concept. I really like how you kind of tied it into to being blackout drunk and stealing. A car, <laughs> it's, it's so real. <laughs> that That's, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> there's a couple more questions I want to get to in this segment. These are going to be more pointed kind of about your life. And if you feel comfortable, you can ask them or answer them rather. Um, sure. The first one would just be kind of what are you grateful for? Like in this moment? Um, so what I'm most grateful for in this moment is the ability to be present. Um, every morning I, this is like weird and awkward, but every morning I have this like list of affirmations taped on my mirror. I go into the mirror completely naked and I just, I'm present with myself. I touch my arms and my legs and I just, I'm just like, I'm here, I'm here. And I constantly repeat that to myself and I stare at myself. Um, back when I was a partier and like getting fucked up, I used to brush my teeth in the kitchen sink. I have no mm -hmm. idea why. And I realized it's that I didn't want to look at myself. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. You know, and it was all these little things. And so right now today I've got, finally gotten to a place where like, I'm just so present and I'm present for the good parts of myself and the parts of myself that are like kind of annoying or shitty. I'm like, I love on those too. And so it's just all encompassing presence. That's a nice answer. Um, my next question, and I kind of feel like you touched on this already as well. Did you feel different as a kid? 
Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so I actually, it's kind of twofold for me. So I look nothing like my older sister. We're only three years apart. And my mom used to dress us like in the same outfits, like these creepy little eighties dresses with the puffy shoulders and all the ribbons. And, um, but I was very light skin and she was very dark skin. And now I know it's because we actually had different fathers. <laughs> mm. Um, so there was kind of that, I just felt like I maybe looked different. Um, but also, being a psychic child, um, it's actually really fucking scary. And I would anticipate things, bad things. And it just, I felt in fear a lot. So that made me feel different. And, um, you know, I have, I have Uranus in the first house, which is, um, you know, where your hidden genius is. And the first house is the house of identity and self. So I've just always felt different and I've liked to be different. Like I liked to be unique and weird. And so I think I would just do weird things because I'm like, well, I feel weird. So I'm just going to act weird as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I can relate to, to being a, a weird person as well. I don't think I've really had hardly anybody on here that says that they weren't kind of a weird or odd person um, as a kid. Maybe it's something that everybody is kind of weird or odd if they're being honest. I guess. But to be honest, the weirdest thing I ever did was like, try to be normal. I agree with that. too. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I would really be like, okay, now I feel weird. <laughs> yeah. Trying to like people like other people, it makes me so uncomfortable because I feel like an alien in a people suit. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I feel, I guess I'm just going to tell you, but like, I do feel very extraterrestrial. Um, like sometimes I just like, am I from here? Like, am I like, what is this? Yeah. I, I think that it's, I mean, technically none of us are from here. We're just kind of all visiting unlike, unlike that sense, but who's to say really, you know? I guess it's strange. I chose earth as a vacation spot. Like, you know, <laughs> oh, there's you know, something Mar you're supposed to learn. Mars sounds cool. Yeah, the weather in Mars might be, might be nice this time of year. <laughs> <laughs> or Venus. I feel like Venus would be like nice and cute and sweet. <laughs> so I have another uh, question for you, which is yes. going to be, um, what's like one of the oddest experiences that you've had? Or like, what's a moment that stands out as maybe like one of the most profound of your total experience to this point? Uh, like my experience with my work or just in my life in general? Um, altogether. I mean, whatever, whatever comes out, it could be your life or your work, whatever you, or you can do both too. Um, okay. Wait, can you ask the question one more time? Yeah, for sure. What's one of the most profound, like spiritual or like eye opening or like odd experiences that you've encountered? Uh, the most profound experience of my life was, was like quitting drinking. <laughs> joining the program, um, just rising up for myself like a phoenix rising from the ashes because it was just a miracle for me. Um, and it changed the entire trajectory of my life, of my journey, of my existence, of my being. Mm -hmm. It was the most spiritually profound thing I could have ever done. Like I could have joined the Jehovah's Witnesses or something and felt nothing, <laughs> you know. I could be door to door knocking on your door and I'd still be an empty shell. Um, <laughs> so 
honestly, really, that's the first thing that comes to my mind because it's just, you know, you know, it just, it changes everything. Um, but one of the weirdest experiences that I've had was I was on um, a client call with someone and I was doing her natal chart. We're talking about, you know, we're just, we're just getting tapped in together and we start to pull out the tarot. And as I'm starting to do tarot for her, I'm getting this like weird tap on my shoulder. And mind you, I don't see ghosts and shit. Like, I wish I did. I've tried ghost hunting when I was in high school. I'd go to all these scary cemeteries in Wisconsin, like hoping to see a ghost. I just, I just don't have that gift. <laughs> I don't get any messages from the other side. You know, I have intuition and I study. That's like my shit, but I don't, I don't see things. And so I'm getting this weird tap on my shoulder and I'm, I start to just feel eerie and like my feet go numb and I'm like, what is this? And she's talking and talking and I'm, I'm so distracted. And, and it's like this woman tapping on my shoulder and she's like, tell her I'm not right. And like, she's giving me these messages and this girl's talking and I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, can you stop talking for a second? Because something's happening over here in my left ear. <laughs> and I think it's for you. And she's like, what? And I'm like, I don't know. And she's like looking at me and I'm like, my eyes are probably huge. My hands are shaking. I'm like feeling it. And it's this girl who came to tell me that she wanted her cousin to know that she's not going to leave yet. She's not ready yet. This and that. And I'm just like speaking the words that are coming. And the girl starts crying. And she's like, that's my cousin who passed away six months ago. And she's been like haunting everybody and we're, we don't understand. And I'm like, okay, well now she's here with me. <laughs> like, oh, wow. What do you want her to know? Like, and essentially, I guess she had left, you know, a twin flame or a soulmate behind and he was really taking her loss really hard. And so she wanted her cousin to know that she wasn't going to cross over until he met someone else. Hmm. <laughs> and I mean, I had like, I mean, I physically, I felt sick. I was scared. I was sweating. I had chills. And, and it, was, it was over pretty quickly, like within a whole minute. Um, but I had to just get off the call with her. And I just, it was weird. Like, I just never, that's never happened. Yeah, I can see that being a very unsettling and um, incredibly deep experience. I don't know that I would enjoy that at all. <laughs> I, I don't know. It was, it was just odd. And, um, I did ask, like, after I hung up and everything, I kind of told her like, thank you for the visit, but please don't come back. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> it's also really kind of endearing, um, in a sense, it's like a beautiful story that she would want that for her significant other to kind of find somebody and move on. Um, that's really kind of a, like a, icing on the whole story I feel like like it's a very sweet endearing thing yeah it was romantic and um I was like you know we got off the call and I'm thinking to myself I'm like this girl is still haunting him and I like can't even get a text back half the time like okay <laughs> <laughs> oh wow um, I have one more quick question for you. If you feel comfortable, if you don't feel comfortable answering this, um, we'll just transition to this uh, second half after a quick break. Okay. You had kind of mentioned that one of the most profound experiences was getting involved in the program. Like what was your rock bottom um, or what was like your last day 
like? So um, I always say this uh, in meetings and like when I speak and stuff, I think I was born into my bottom. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Like I, my life was, has always just been very complicated. Um, but anyway, the last, I would say six weeks of partying was my bottom. And I had just moved into my own apartment prior to that. I had never, I hadn't lived alone. I lived alone one time when I was 18 for like three months. And I was coming out of a, a three-year relationship that I thought would maybe be marriage and stuff like that. And so I got my own apartment and I thought I was okay. And then I kind of just started partying because there was no accountability, you know? I mean, and by partying, I don't mean like, oh, I was going out sometimes. Like I was already doing that. By partying, I mean like three day benders, sleep for four hours, wake up and do it again the remaining three days of the week, you know? <laughs> it's funny because um, I know what partying means, but people listening might be like, oh, she went out for some cocktails. <laughs> no. I, I mean, yeah, I went out for a cocktail and I came back 72 hours later. Like, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so towards the end, for me, I kind of knew I was in my bottom because drinking was always my thing, but um, cocaine was not. And I was doing Coke almost every day for like a six week period. And it wasn't just Coke. It was like for a good night out for me to feel like, all right, I'm happy would be like alcohol, Coke, ketamine, ecstasy, Molly, um, some GHB to round out the night if I needed to go to sleep, Xanax if I was really needed to go to sleep, and then just like more Coke. And it was like, that's all I was fueling my body with. Mm. And, and um, it was kind of like there were nights where I would actually just do more drugs and they wouldn't work. I'd be like taking acid, wouldn't feel it, take mushrooms, wouldn't feel it. And I'd almost just be like, just seeing how much I can take before something happens, like before my body quits, but my body just kept going and going. So on like week five, I'm like, what the hell? Like, am I healthy? Like, how is, how am I still like walking and moving? And um, I, I just had like one day that I, I went to walk to the liquor store and it was like 3 p.m which, you know, that wasn't weird. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, I was thinking about my dogs. I have three dogs. At the time I had two. And I thought to myself, if I get this bottle of Jameson and I drink the whole fucking thing today, like what if I don't wake up? And I pictured myself on my bed with my arm dangling over and I pictured my dogs licking me and trying to wake me up. And they're licking so intensely that maybe they just lick down to like my bones and like maybe they eat me. And I just had this really weird, morbid like thought. And I just, I was like, fuck. I'm like, I need to not go to the liquor store. And I'm like, where does the person go when they want to go to the liquor store, but they shouldn't go to the liquor store? Like, where's the one place a person goes when they shouldn't have a drink? And so there I am on my phone. I'm like, AA meetings near me. And I, there was a meeting that was starting in like 30 minutes and I sprinted there, like ran there on foot, not even in like running out athletic clothes. It was a mile away. And I'm like, I'm going and I'm bawling my eyes out running through Hollywood, like a psychopath. And I get to this place <laughs> called the bliss cafe. And that is my home meeting. And I am there every Monday. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very, very intense experience. It's always interesting to hear, um, what people's rock bottom really was and like it's one of those things that like when people in the program like when they're gonna be there they don't forget it and it's like I know I'll never forget mine I'm pretty sure you're never gonna forget yours like just from how intense that 
sounds. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if this was your experience, but for me, um, I really did feel, and maybe it was irrational, but maybe not, but I was like, I could, I might die today. Like today might be that day. Uh, when, I, when I share, um, I really try to touch on like the fact that my last day using for me, it wasn't the most that I ever did. It wasn't like the worst consequences I ever had for me. It was like this complete emotional, spiritual bankruptcy. And there was this feeling that I got in the pit of my stomach that happened before every time I got arrested or end up in the psych ward. And I was pretty much like in my head, I was like, I'm not going to either. I'm going to like go completely crazy after this. I'm going to end up in jail for a long time or I'm going to die. And I can yep. remember like just crying um, and asking the universe to help me. And the next day I went to a meeting. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's deep. And I'm, I'm looking at your chart as you're saying that we can touch on this later, but yeah, your intuition is like massive. You have, you have eighth house placements, which is the house of mysticism. So we Boom. should chat about that. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah. Real quick before, before we take this uh, break, do you want to, what's your website and how can people get a hold of you? We'll touch on this again later, but yeah, of course. So my website is R-A-Q-R-E-Y-L-A.com. So it's com. It's not super like mystic or creative. It's just abbreviation of my first and last name and where I live. <laughs> uh, and my Instagram handle is RackRayLA. And feel free to add me on Facebook. And I'm very friendly. Feel free to message me. I love new friends, new energy. And I do a really great job of posting free content almost daily. So even if you don't work with me one-on-one -on -one or get do a natal chart session, um, I offer something for everybody. I am for everyone. Awesome. Yeah, thanks so much for sharing that. And I'll put links for that in the uh, show notes so everybody else can just click the links and get to it as well. Um, we'll be back after this quick break. Yay! Are you facing questions with no answers or seeking an escape from persistent problems? Then enlist the Oracle at Mushin. The Oracle at Mushin provides high quality tarot and life coaching services at affordable prices. Quickly and easily book online with the link in our description. Our listeners get a 10% discount off the Oracle at Mushin's already low prices. Use code OFF10. That's OFF10. Seek the solution today. All right, we are back for the uh, second part of this chat with Raquel Reyes. Um, so Raquel, I had a couple questions. Uh, you had looked up my chart, but there's a couple questions I wanted to get some clarity on Then maybe we can talk about some things that stick out to you on my chart that... Um, whatever comes to you, I guess, whatever you want to share on it. But my questions are about the North node and South node. So yes. what are those specifically? I had a guest on recently and she was um, kind of explaining it, but I'm, I'm just more curious. Of course. So there is a branch off study of astrology. It's evolutionary astrology. And this is where we start talking about past lives, the soul's journey, um, what your soul has been through and it's all about the evolution of that and hence evolutionary astrology. So when we're studying that kind of stuff, 
the first thing that we look at, we look at your North node and your South node. And so in astrology, it's, it's the life purpose. It's encoded in the North node and the South node of the moon. Um, and they're, they're not planets, the North and South node, but they're mathematical points in the chart. And essentially the North node, it represents our karmic paths, the lessons we're here to learn, what our soul's really here to do, the language we're learning to speak. It's, it's contains the, the life lessons, the soul lessons. It, and then the South node reveals the challenges and gifts that you bring in from a previous lifetime. And your, your South node can also reveal what you were really great at in a previous lifetime. And so what ends up happening is our South node gifts tend to be a little bit locked up until we truly go for what our North node is. And once we activate the North node, then we unlock all of the gifts and past life experiences that can then come to help us on our journey today. Oh, wow. This is like a, a way different um, understanding. She hadn't really studied it and she said, she wanted somebody to correct her, but I like how you kind of talk about it. Um, here, here's one of the things, like looking at my North and South note, I looked up some information on it and I kind of feel like I got gypped with them because they seem very similar, at least in this description. Um, what comes up for you in regards to that? All right, so <laughs> let me get into it. So first of all, the first thing that I'm uh, like vibing off of your chart, um, okay, so it's important for you to know that you're, you're a lover because you're a Libra rising, which means that the planet that rules Libra is Venus. So your chart is ruled by the planet of Venus. So no, first and foremost, your soul is here for love. Your soul is here for partnership and your soul is here for connection. Now, I believe by looking at your chart, which I can ascertain from checking out your 12th house, I think that in a past life or your most recent past life, you were part of um, some type of like organization or some type of religion where you actually may have even been killed for standing up for what was right, or you were a part of some type of movement. You had a lot of people like listening to you. You had a lot of people that were kind of following along with you and it could have been the cause of your demise. It also could have been the cause of any type of overindulgence in alcohol or drug use because you were feeling the weight of the world on like a societal or global scale that you could have turned a little bit dark. But ultimately, you know, like I said, you're here for love and to bring people together because Libra is all about justice, fairness, and partnership. Um, so looking at your North nodes. So yeah, your North node is in the eighth house. South node is in the second house. This is actually one of my favorite uh, North node, South node accesses because um, the North node in the eighth house indicates that um, you are actually supposed to be focusing on your spirituality. And in a previous lifetime, you actually were probably very wealthy. So your soul understands and is very comfortable with and knows wealth. So with the South node in the second house, that's the house of money and material wealth. Those are gifts that you bring into this lifetime. It's your comfort zone. You're innately good. Your soul is innately good at uh, making money, creating money. <clears throat> and so that's why in this lifetime, you could, have, you could have it in your mind that that's what you need to do. But really, actually, your destiny is calling and it's calling you to the eighth house of spirituality. Now, the North node is going to be opposite of what your soul is used to. It illuminates, you know, terrain that's being like, hey, come over here, come set up a tent, come climb, there's mountains, there's whatever you want, you know, 
And um, so sometimes it's, it's tough to go for that North node. So for you in your chart, I think your challenge is to not focus so much on, on money and material and really get into spirituality and your spiritual gifts and to tap in. I'm also seeing Chiron, the wounded healer. Chiron is showing you where your most destabilizing weaknesses are, but also showing you where you have the ability to transform and grow the most. So with Chiron in the eighth, it's literally that like your gifts, your spirituality could have felt like a blessing and a curse. Also with Chiron, Chiron is connecting to your Mars. It's in direct opposition. Mars is the planet of action. And Mars and Scorpio connected to your Chiron and Taurus, this could be where your addiction comes from because you have so much pain with Chiron that your Mars is like, okay, we'll fix it. We'll drink or we'll get fucked up or we'll, you know, it's trying to like level it out because it's probably overwhelming for you because your Chiron's in the eighth house. The eighth house is the house of sex, death, rebirth, mysticism, other people's money. It's it's the shadow self. This is the house of intuition. So when you have your Chiron here, this is definitely something to take notice of because this could be karmic. This is in your prep in a past lifetime, you were probably so focused on money and wealth creation that you didn't even tap into spirituality. You probably ignored your intuition. You could have screwed people over. Maybe you were not in touch with like your true inner self, your true inner being. And you had wounds from that, that imprinted your soul to a place where your soul in this lifetime is like, fuck, let's just drink. <laughs> like, this is too much. But you're here to learn that lesson. Your North Node is in that house. It wants you to follow in that direction. So, I mean, I like your, I like your Node placements. I think that they're amazing. Yeah, that's way different than the information that I have in front of me from this one website. Like, what you said is actually, like, bringing tears to my eyes. Um, because so much of... Uh, those lessons, I kind of relived at certain points in my life, like living in Vegas, obviously that was kind of like the epitome of materialism and um, devoid of spirituality, kind of using people, misusing my own um, charm, yep. hurting a lot of women, like all of, all of this kind of stuff. And then as a direct result of that, it pushed me further into active addiction and isolation, um, which is ultimately what led to the complete destruction of my way of life. And, hence the spiritual Phoenix and all of this um, path leading me to spirituality. Um, yeah. As you're, as you're talking about that, I, um, as you're talking about that, I'm just, I'm, I always have a deck of tarot in my hand. I just pulled the devil card as you're talking about that, which oh, as addiction. you know, yep. Addiction, temptation, our vices. So yeah. <laughs> Um, that's, that's really interesting. Um, but what's the thing about it too, which I want to like touch on really quick is that I never, I never, ever, ever encourage people to look up astrology online. Um, cause you know how like someone will like be at a dinner party and they say some piece of information and you make fun of them and you go, where'd you hear that? The internet. And then they're like, Oh, <laughs> Oh, like, yeah. And then it's like, well, you believe everything you read on the internet. And it's like funny. So astrology is no different. And so you have to really take information on the internet with a grain of salt because it's one person's interpretation. And as you know, probably better than the average person, we all come from a different level of consciousness. We all see through a different lens. We all have a different perception. And you never know if that person writing that 
has like an ex-boyfriend with a North Node in the eighth. Or who knows? You know what I mean? Like who knows what shit people are carrying? I barely even know what I'm carrying. But it's with astrology, you want to make sure that you are getting your information from somebody that you, you know who they are. You can follow their social. You can read articles they've written. You like their vibe. Because when you read someone's astrological interpretations, because we're all different practitioners, you're reading from their level of consciousness. So just like, would you have a babysitter come in and watch your kids that like, you don't, you, you know, you don't vibe with them? No. So you wouldn't want an astrologer who you don't vibe with feeding you information that could then kind of tie you to these ideas about yourself that maybe aren't even true. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's very insightful. And I guess it's one of those things that like, once it's said, it's all, it should be common sense. But my mind is like blown by that. It's like, yeah, that really... <laughs> <laughs> that's super funny. Sometimes no, it amazes know. me like how out of tune with reality I can be. <laughs> I think it, I mean, I think it's a good thing. I love tuning out of reality. I'm like, bye everyone. I don't know where I'm heading, but <laughs> taking a break from here but um no for you i mean with your north node in the eighth this is about you embodying the highest expression of the second house because when you do that then you get to like your north node becomes easier so it's not to say that you can't have money and wealth and you know all that great stuff and materialism it's just do it in a way that is an integrity for you and you know having that unshakable knowing of what you deserve and what you desire and just getting in touch with your intuition and allowing your intuition to lead the way you're going to have everything you want. You know, that's the beauty of the North node and the South node. And why I love to talk to people about this is because not only is your life going to have flow, but your soul, not you, but your soul is going to be getting what it wants because listen to this. When your soul entered this body, this vessel that you have, your soul made an agreement saying that spirituality, that sense of intuition, I want to be heard this time around. Make sure in this lifetime you tap into me. I have something for you. Like I'm here for you. Please, like don't forget, tap in, tap in. If you tap in, I will bring you everything you need. I will help you. I will guide you. Your soul is desperately wanting that from you. That's why your North Node is in the eighth house of intuition and spirituality. So it's like when you learn this about your natal chart, it gives you permission and freedom to just full-blown honor that. And even if you just start doing it for like a day or two, you're gonna feel a difference. Your soul is gonna, you're gonna have soul recognition with yourself. Yeah, that's, that's super heavy because just to tie this into my own experience. So in the past couple of years, I've really shifted from kind of having this, what I do with this podcast and some of the other things I do as a hobby to really transitioning to it as being like my main source of income. And I'm not quite there yet, but one of the biggest sticking points for me was focusing so much on the monetary aspect of it and not on providing value and not in um, actually like setting my soul on fire with it. Mm -hmm. And I, I lost so much energy focusing on the money and it like put me in such this miserable state of affairs and now that i've been transitioning more towards how do i enjoy doing this like getting involved with it on a deeper level and really refining things not only is some of the stuff coming easier it's a lot more enjoyable to actually do and it, it's the money's coming easier as well like it, it's it's phenomenal to kind of 
see that in my chart, I guess, and see how it's reflected in my life. Well, you know, well, maybe you don't know, but <laughs> your Uranus, which is the ruler of Aquarius, Uranus represents hidden genius. It's where you're, you're very fucking talented, but you got to tap in. Your Uranus is in the second house of money and material wealth. So the way for you to really bring it in is going to not be like everybody else. You got to do it different. You got to be a rebel. You have to do it in a way that's unique to you. You have to shake that societal construct of how the nine to five, that's not for you. So don't even think about that. You know, do things in a way, do things in a way that's like unique to you. You also have your moon in the second house. And I'm going to speak on this because I have my moon in the second house. When you have your moon in the second house, it means that your emotional sense of security and safety is tied to whether or not you are succeeding, producing and bringing in money. Mm. So it's, it's a tough moon placement, but it's also the most productive moon placement. But we just have to remember that not having money or having a bad sales day or whatever, that we can't let that be like shaking us to our core to where we actually feel bad. Um, it's just kind of a, a struggle of moon in the second housers. Anyone with a moon in the second house is going to know that feeling and it can drive you to overwork. It can drive you to stress. But what's interesting is that your moon is connecting with your Mars, planet of action, and your moon is connecting very nicely to Saturn. Now, Saturn is a tricky bitch because, you know, <laughs> Saturn return, he's the father of the Zodiac, he's not a cool dad, uh, <laughs> he's like, I'm, but Saturn is our biggest mentor in the chart. It's the one planet where we can really learn. So with Saturn connecting to your moon in the second house, what this tells me is that because Saturn has put so many hard lessons on you, because you have gone through so much, that's going to be where you can help other people through their own limitations. And then inherently, they're going to pay you for it. And it's going to bring money in. And it's going to feel close to your heart. It's going to make you feel good. It's going to resonate with you. Because just like we know in the program, you know, step 12, by helping others, being of service to others, you're actually helping yourself as well. You know, it's like mm -hmm. choosing love is self-love, that type of thing. So if you can just get over your limitations and not be like, woe is me. And... <laughs> Learn how you can help other people who are going through a similar path of what you went through. Um, you know, you're, you're very well aspected for mentorship, coaching, all that kind of stuff. It's in your chart. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. You bring that up too. Um, that brought tears to my eyes as well, because that's one of the things that's kind of intuitively been told to me, like this whole process is everything I'm going through will help other people at some point. And it's just kind of, doing the prerequisite internal work to be like to clear away, um, to clear the channel to receive it. And well, yeah. And, and you're never like, no one's ever done doing the work. There's always going to be more work. If you wake up another day, there's more work to be done. In <laughs> yeah, yeah ab absolutely. There's always more being shoveled on. Through life. <laughs> yeah. Um, Did you drive in traffic today? You might have to clear some karmic debt. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting because like I'm writing my second book now and it's really largely about my experience. I'm going to end it with some tools for transformation. I'm really beginning to develop how I want to coach people with stuff using tarot and like my own methodology towards all of this. Mm -hmm. So all of this really is uh, aligned with my life. Well, can I tell you one more thing that I'm seeing in your chart that maybe will, maybe will bring like more tears to you? Yeah, maybe. I don't know if I want to cry on, on, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, okay, so looking at your chart, midheaven in your chart, the midheaven represents not so much what your soul is here to do, but like what your physical vessel is here to do, what you're capable of, right? So I'm looking at your chart. Your midheaven is in Cancer. This is the mother of the zodiac. This is the nurturer. This is the caretaker. This is the moon. This is internal emotional self. The midheaven governs your 10th house, which is the house of career. So if you are not in a career where you're mothering people and getting them to help and uh, fulfilling them, helping them fill their cups, cancer is a water sign. It's emotion in the tarot. This is the cups. This is the 10 of cups right here. What you're meant to do is be bringing 10 of cups to people's lives. And what's even crazier is that the North node in the sky right now, not the North node in your chart, but the North node in the sky. This indicates in someone's chart where the collective needs them the most right now. And I will have you know that the North node is currently in cancer, transiting your 10th house of career. The collective is literally asking you through your astrological natal chart to be doing this, to be of service, to make this your career and to help people. Yeah, it definitely made me tear up more. <laughs> it's in it's in your chart. This is what you're supposed to be doing. This when when people come to me and they're like, "What should I be doing for work?" I look at their midheaven, and when I see the North Node transiting your midheaven, it's the collective is saying, "We need you, like right now." You're the, you're, this is your calling. You're being called, literally. It has definitely felt like uh, that for a very long time. And I really feel like I'm finally getting to the place where I'm able to um, embody more of that and I'm getting more comfortable with it, I guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, the North Node is the North Node's in Cancer and um, the North Node is going to move into Leo. Um, so that'll happen in probably like, I want to say like uh, maybe like 15 months. You've got some time. But once it moves into Leo, this is fire activation. So get ready because once it moves into Leo, especially, oh my God, you're going to take off. It's going to be crazy. And then 18 months from then, when it moves into Virgo, it's going to hit your 11th house of community impact. You're going to be, um, Virgo is the writer of the Zodiac, the editor of the Zodiac. You're going to probably be public speaking. You're probably going to be on stages talking to people. You're going to probably be like best-selling author. Like, this is your trajectory, like, based on your chart, based on, like, the North Node. The North Node is supporting you. So, one of the things that, like, really occurred to me very early on in life was this reoccurring number of 37. And with the timeline that you really oh, indicated. Oh, my God. I'm it, sorry. Did no, you just say 37? Yeah. <laughs> Stop. I'm freaking out right now. This can't be real. 37. <gasps> 37 is just my psychic number. When, when, when source shows me 37, that's how I know I'm, I'm in the 5D tapped in. I see it every single day, 20 times a day. My best friend who's a psychic, 37, 37, 37. This is our number. I send him at least five texts a day, 37, 37, 37. And here you are, and I've never chatted with you one-on-one, -on -one, and you're saying 37. <laughs> wow it's interesting I'm, to meet other people that are into it like i'm freaking out <laughs> yeah like given the trajectory that you've told me that's really when i'll be 37 kind of when all of this stuff is going on and when it would come up to me in my youth i thought that was when i was going to die because of how i was living my life 
And then at some point it transitioned to like being this number of, of great change. And then yeah. part of my recovery, way before I really knew I was going to be committed to this, it was kind of like at 37, my life's going to change and I'm going to be a lot more successful than I can imagine right now. Um, I don't know. It's really weird. <laughs> life's That's what I'm just weirded out that you're saying 37. <laughs> That's so wild. Um, <laughs> that's so crazy. Now, I'm just wondering really quick, um, what's your love life like? Because 37 tends to carry like love energy. I've had a horrible go at love. Um, so. <laughs> well, I feel like everyone in recovery can say that to some <laughs> extent. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's a very fair point. Um, I don't know. It even says in the literature and uh, the fellowship I'm in that really we've had horrible relationships. I'm, I'm paraphrasing it, but that's like a, a check mark of being an addict or being an alcoholic is like <laughs> horrible love life. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's one of those things that I've really had to do a lot of internal work on. And again, I'm finally getting to this place with that too, where um, I'm going to let the right circumstances come up instead of settling for less than I deserve. Um, that's amazing. That's, that's how it should be. I feel. Um, but I just ask cause yeah, 37 carries kind of like love energy, but for me, 37, it's confirmation from source God angels that you're supported by the divine realm and that like they're hearing you, they're hearing your prayers. They're answering it. Like it's in the works. It's in the works. Like when I see 37, I'm like, it's, it's in the works. It's cooking. It's in the slow cooker. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that would be great. It's one of those things where I've recently kind of given up looking for love because I need to focus on, on my business and my life. Um, but it's interesting because it seems like the universe is switching more into a different mode. This is kind of a, a tangent real quick, but I did yeah. this uh, love spell that uh, a couple months ago. And it wasn't like a love spell asking for a specific person or anything like that. Um, cause I find that to be manipulative and unhealthy. Sure, it was kind yeah. of like sending up a smoke signal, like universe, these I'm are ready. the qualities that I would really like in a partner. Yeah, I'm ready. Um, and then the spell kind of asked me to fold up, like make it into a scroll and put the butt of a candle of it and, and tuck it away in an envelope and like, just leave it until the situation develops. Mm -hmm. And it really feels kind of like, you know how you send a text message and you see like the scene or, or something? It feels like the universe opened the text message finally. And it's like, oh, we, we've seen your message. Hold on. We're in the middle of something. We'll get back to you. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like the worth will be, the weight will be worth it. You think the universe left you on red? <laughs> no, 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 I think they read it. Like, I think that they saw it, but they just haven't responded yet. They're just like... Hold on, dude. The universe, here's the thing, and I'm sure you've heard this because you're in recovery as well. They say don't ever ask for patience or pray for patience. Mm -hmm. Very early on in recovery, I've asked for patience, and it's one of those things where I'm incredibly grateful for it because it's something I needed. It's also incredibly frustrating at times, but this whole process of business, love life, everything has kind of been this uh, development in patience because at the very beginning of recovery, um, I, I feel like I got fronted gifts of long-term recovery. Now I'm paying it back. Yeah. And like, um, what's interesting. So I'm looking at your chart cause I'm looking up, um, I'm like, where's his Venus planet of love. And I'll have, you know, 
that in your natal chart, you have Venus square Pluto, which means that in love, you could have a potentially difficult time and it demands that you take the high road and slip into a space of acceptance and peace and um, stuff like that. Otherwise, the darker possibilities of the planetary combination could, you know, be noticeable. And what's really funny is that on February 22nd, 2019, which is your birthday, <laughs> Venus in the sky is going to connect to Pluto. And those two are going to have like a talk and they're going to be like, how can we start working together? This is going to be massive for you. It's a massive transit happening for your natal chart, for you specifically. And it's happening on your birthday. So, <laughs> wow. yeah, um, it's how you, how you love and need to be loved is going to start manifesting. You know what I mean? It's, it's, um, it, everything is going to depend greatly on, on you, of course, because again, free will, you got to be the activator. But I really, really feel that like that, that day, from that day forward, you're going to feel a big difference. Wow, that sounds amazing. Um, it's an interesting birthday for me too, because I'm teaching my third class on that birthday. I'm interviewing somebody else on this, on that birthday. Last year on my birthday, I released my first book. Like I've learned to celebrate my birthday in different ways now that I no longer get shithouse drunk on it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's a cool thing to celebrate is like the uh, Pluto and Venus kind of aligning. Is that what you said? They're aligning? Yeah, they're conjunct. Conjunct. So, okay. Yeah. And so really um, what you can do between now and then is get really clear on what it is that you want because your your need for love and affection is going to dramatically increase with this transit. Oh, son um, of a bitch. I don't know <laughs> if I want to take it. <laughs> well, you're going to have like you're going to be attracting in friends, lovers, like love in general. You know what I mean? You're going to have a magnetic attractiveness. It's people, you're going to be pulling people in on the subconscious level. So be aware of that. And, you know, just, um, it's, it's just going to be really potent. So get clear on what you want. Cause I think like you said, like maybe that spell's about to kick in and like the universe is going to be like, okay, all right. You say you <laughs> want this. You say you want it. Let's see. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's going to be one of those things, too, where what I want, it's going to challenge me to step up to the plate as well. <laughs> I mean, yeah, for sure. And it's, it's really interesting. And like, uh, you know, there's Venus is, uh, you know, one of my favorite astrologers, Eliza Kelly, she says something really funny. She says that Venus is the Marie Antoinette of the Zodiac, where like she just wants what she wants. <laughs> <laughs> And um, for you with, with Venus and Aquarius, I would say you're probably looking for a lover that can intellectually simulate you. But what you're going to need is a lover who can understand that you are a phoenix rising from the ashes and that because you have Pluto in the first house, you're a Plutonian, you are the type of person where throughout your entire life, you're going to need to have several deaths and rebirths. You're going to have to bulldoze wrecking ball your own life <laughs> and build it back up that's your process that's how you like to be you have a lot of scorpionic energy you um you inherently kind of reflect back to people their shadow self and this is a gift that you have you know you're mysterious when you walk into a room people feel it on a subconscious level and you just need a partner who can vibe with that and appreciate you for your darkness and appreciate you for your transmutative capabilities 
That's what I've been saying all along. No, <laughs> <laughs> no but it's true. You, you need somebody who's down, like who, you know, you need somebody who's like doing their own shadow work, who, who understands that that's a part of you. Cause you're very gifted. You're very strong. Um, you have a lot to offer the world and your soul is, your soul is here to do just that. Yeah. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> Wow. That, 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 all of that was uh, so spot on because that's the thing. Like I, I have really been looking for intellectually stimulating women, women because some of my previous choices were some of the wrong aspects. And it really is. Um, I always try to find people that I understand. And what I really need is people who can understand me, like you were saying, and uh, yep. mm -hmm. really kind of respect the whole process that I've been through. And, and shadow work's important because I don't know if you've encountered this. I'm, I'm sure that you have. But when you try to date after being in recovery, after really working on yourself, it becomes very difficult if you have a deep level of awareness and the other people that you're dating don't. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Um, to be honest, I think that everyone should go through the 12 steps. I think when you turn like 30, it should be a prereq to like continue living as an adult in this society. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree. <laughs> you know? But um, yeah, it's especially spiritually, if, if you're doing the work and you're confronting your fears and your shadows and you're confronting your dark side um, and taking responsibility for it, it's definitely difficult to date someone who's not really on a paralleled path. It, it, yeah, it's tricky. It's certainly tricky. Um, I don't want to hold you up too much longer. I'm sure that you're a busy woman. Like I've gotten so much from this conversation and I want to say thank you for going over my chart. Like it, it hit home on an incredibly deep level. Um, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. That's, that's like all I care about. If I just maybe said one thing that you can take with you, you know, just fold it up and put it in your pocket and feel good about it. Then like my job is done and like, it's my passion. So thank you for being open and receptive. Oh no, that, that was phenomenal. Um, few things, I shouldn't say a few things bring me to tears, but like, it's rare that I cry anymore because I've processed a lot of that stuff, but it was so spot on. Um, yeah, I, I can't, uh, I can't compliment your accuracy enough. So thank you so much. No, thank you. I, I really do appreciate it. So again, um, what was your website and I'll put it in the description below for other people. Awesome. Yeah. My website is rackrayla.com. So it's R-A-Q-R-E-Y-L-A.com. And my Instagram is the same, RackRayLA. And on Facebook, I'm Raquel Reyes. And you can just find me. I'm living in Los Angeles. Thank you so much, Raquel. Um, one of the things that I like to end the show with is asking the guests to close the show in their own way. Um, so you have the floor if you would like to. Oh, wow. Okay. What do I want to say? Um, okay. So I want to just, I want to close this by, first of all, thanking every single person who has um, tapped in and tuned in and offered their time and their attention to listen to our words, to listen to you, to listen to me, to listen to this harmonious symbiosis that we were able to create. And I just want to really remind everybody that we are living, walking, breathing vessels of cosmic consciousness and energy. And we are really all connected. 
And I just want to wish everyone like blessings and flow and peace because life can be complicated, but it doesn't always need to be. Thanks for listening to the show, Phoenix family. Just a reminder, we are fan funded and you can contribute with the link in the show notes. Other ways to support the show include leaving excellent reviews wherever possible, subscribing to our YouTube channel, engaging with our content on social media, sending me an email, or reaching out via voice message through the Anchor app. Your support is greatly appreciated. Much love and synchronicity. Peace.